Welcome to 15 Minutes to Wellness by the American Council on Exercise. I'm Dr. Michael Mantell, the ACE Senior Fitness Consultant for Behavioral Sciences and your host for this series. My goal today and for every podcast in our series is to discuss some small steps you can take to help you better your life and find happiness through optimal health. In each of these podcasts, I'll be interviewing a leading health and fitness expert, someone who's making a difference and who can make a difference in your life. I also want to welcome the hundreds of thousands of folks searching for positive ways to make fitness and nutrition a part of their daily, hectic, busy, tight, and budgeted lives. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Michael Mantell. I'm the Senior Fitness Consultant for Behavioral Sciences for the American Council on Exercise and your host each week in these wonderful 15-minute to wellness podcasts where we bring the nation's top impactors, leading voices uh, in health and fitness. And today is no exception. With me is Dr. Stephen Pont, MD, MPH, FAAP. Let me tell you what all that means. Dr. Pont, uh, welcome. To, first of all, welcome to you. Thanks. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to have you. Dr. Pont is a general pediatrician and is the medical director for the Texas Center for the Prevention and Treatment of Childhood Obesity, Dell Children's Medical Center's Tertiary Care Pediatric Weight Management Center, and the medical director for the Austin Independent School District's Student Health Services, uh, where you are busy providing uh, student health services to the district's uh, 90,000 plus uh, uh, students over 110 different campuses. You are a busy guy. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. No, my, my pleasure. It's so important to get healthy messages out there, so I appreciate the opportunity. I want to start with healthy messaging. Um, before we began recording today, uh, you and I were just chatting a moment ago about how important uh, what primary care providers, health coaches, fitness pro uh, professionals, how important it is to watch the words we use with children uh, who have weight issues. I want to talk about that. Let's, let's talk about that a bit. Tell, what are your thoughts? Well, if we think about the Hippocratic Oath, a key element of that is first do no harm. And absolutely, my, my colleagues and myself, we're all very well-intentioned. But we do need to be mindful about our word choice, and particularly with dealing with getting kids to a healthy weight and challenges with overweight and obesity, that our words really can do damage, even if they're well-intended words. And so let's take an example of what um, a primary care provider, pediatrician, fitness tr uh, professional, uh, school, uh, you know, a PE class uh, instructor, what are the words that we ought to be using. Let's focus and stay on the positive. What words do we want to talk about when we talk about children who are dealing with weight issues? So we really focus on getting to a healthy weight, but that's not dependent upon what our shape or size is. We focus more on making healthy behaviors rather than a natural number goal or a size goal, because these healthy behaviors are healthy for everyone regardless of their size or shape. And that then also helps for situations where if you have a family where one child might be in a healthy weight and another child might be challenged and the parent's saying, hey, how do I do this for my two kids? And the answer is, well, these are healthy changes for everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Um, obesity is a serious problem today, childhood overweight and obesity. What are the statistics? Let's set the stage. So about two-thirds of American adults fall into the overweight or obese category. And with kids, we're seeing currently about a third of kids fall into that overweight or obese category. However, when we dive a bit deeper, we see that communities that are affected more economically tend to have much, much higher rates. So say in Austin, we might have some communities where two-thirds of the kids in a specific community might be affected and challenged by their weight. And we might have kids living elsewhere who have much, much lower incidences of uh, and prevalence of childhood obesity or overweight. And why is that? Why do you think that is? We see that data coming out uh, consistently. What do you think that's the case? Well, specifically with the case of childhood obesity and, and overweight, there's so many factors that have led us to where we are, and that's why it's going to take us unraveling all of those factors and really recruiting as many hands pushing on that mountain so that we can have a positive impact. When we think of folks who are challenged by overweight and obesity, and then we layer on top of that poverty, we layer on top of that less disposable income, we layer on top of that high crime rates, uh, built environment that makes it difficult to be healthy and active, one access and two, the ability to afford healthy food, uh, resources for physical activity, like having not only playgrounds available, but are they safe to play in? Those barriers tend to be much more common in communities that are also challenged economically. And when we talk about uh, youngsters with obesity, um, pediatricians, health coaches, fitness trainers are seeing really um, just a, an onslaught of youngsters who are having adult-like physical and mental health issues, um, multiple comorbidities, metabolic disorders, cardiovascular, gastrointestinal, uh, orthopedic, pulmonary psychological disorders. Uh, it takes a team, doesn't it, Dr. Pont? It absolutely takes a team, and for certain for those kids who are already at the point of experiencing all those additional comorbidities and additional medical problems that are due to or made worse because of where they are weight-wise. Um, but just real back to your other quick question on the uh, communities and what what the impact of all those factors are, that then feeds into the situation which I try to describe as the playing field is not even for all folks. If you are already challenged economically and live in a community that has higher crime rates and not access to healthy foods, those problems take a community approach and not an individual approach to fix. And so in some places we might hear the term personal responsibility come up that overweight and obesity might be due to a personality flaw or a parent or child's poor choices. And I work with individual families and kids, so I absolutely believe that we all can make healthier choices if we are given the education and the empowerment to do so. But there are also massive other factors and forces that are at play that I also simultaneously need to be working on to make that playing field even for all families. Dr. Katz uh, from Yale was on uh, a while ago, and he, he I, like, I like the way he puts it. He says that, it, of course, we have choice, but we can only make the choice based on the choices that we have to make. And I was just recently uh, visiting a community south of San Diego in Mexico, Tecate. And uh, my wife and I were driving through the main street there. And all we saw were taco shops, uh, churros, uh, every imaginable fried food on the planet. And we're thinking, if we lived here, where, where are we going to eat? What do we have to eat? 
um, at use, that we'd love to make healthy choices, but it's only based on the choice that you're given, the choice that you have. So we have a lot of work to do. You have a, the Texas Center for the Prevention and Treatment of Childhood Obesity has a, uh, a four or five step component program that you use the uh, acronym CLEAR, C-L-E-A-R. Can you tell us about that and the offerings and the programs that you have? So the, the CLEAR acronym is a way that we can bucket our, some of our different approaches. So one is clinical approaches where we're working individually with kids with an interdisciplinary team that includes pediatricians, child psychologists, social workers, dietitians, physical activity experts, nursing, and support staff. Uh, we also have group and individual programs that work with families and the patients and, and siblings. And then our education programs are with individual families and with communities and also with primary care providers. The advocacy is more, again, the work. We say that we're committed to our patient's health, not only in the clinic, but also in the community to which they return. So wherever possible with a number of different initiatives, we take the opportunity to stand on that soapbox wearing our white coat and help communities make changes locally to make the community healthy for everyone. We're also here in the state capital of Austin, and so there's opportunities to work at the state and even national level to help communities make it easier for everyone to be healthy. And then finally, the research component is another way that we can tap into funding streams to provide more resources for our patients, but also to, to document what we're doing, to know that we're doing the best we can, and then to share that knowledge we generate with whomever is interested in listening to us. This is, it's a great way to understand a full-bodied approach. Uh, and, and some would say, well, the Texas Center for the Prevention of, and Treatment of Childhood Obesity um, you know, is great. Uh, but I'm a sole practitioner, I'm a fitness trainer, I'm a health coach, what can I do? And what I guess you're saying as a role model and an example and leading the way is saying you have your clinical approach, you're one-on-one with people, but don't forget that you also need to educate, and I want to talk about health literacy in just a moment, but you also can stand up in your community and advocate for uh, uh, building uh, uh, better services. And while you're at it, you can also be doing some research as well with a local university, medical school, uh, college, or what it may be, so that even an individual practitioner can take your acronym of CLEAR, Clinical Treatment Education, Advocacy, and Research, and step into some of those things as well. Uh, Tell us where, I want to talk about health literacy. It's become something that I've become more interested in. I know that Dr. Richard Carmona at Canyon Ranch has been talking about it. He was a guest of ours not long ago. Where does that fit into the childhood obesity issue? Well, I think, well, health literacy can mean a number of things to different folks as far as how can we engage with the healthcare system and be better purchasers and users of that system. Uh, I think with regards to childhood obesity specifically, there's a, a key education component where we need to empower families to help them be able to make educated choices. So one, there's potentially the, the interest in making a healthy choice, but if people don't even know what a healthy choice is, then we need to address that as well. And again, we're up against some massive forces at play here that are intentionally trying to confuse our families when they get to the store, putting all sorts of mismarketing out there, putting green packaging suggesting it's either environmentally friendly or has added vitamins and typically those tend to be big warning signs that probably you need to look into the details of the product 
But wherever we can, again, working on that micro patient level and macro community societal level, we want to empower patients to make healthier choices, but then also put on those white coats and be our fitness experts and be that voice to hold some companies accountable to say, we don't, we don't appreciate you trying to manipulate our patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- uh, Fitnessgram is a, a program uh, that has uh, looked at obesity rates and is, is partnering up with schools and so forth. Share a little bit about what Fitnessgram is. So Fitnessgram is a fitness assessment that is performed in Texas on all public school kids who are in PE in grades 3 through 12. And it's also in a number of additional states around the country. And then recently it was also made the new presidential fitness test that you might remember taking as a child. And now the Fitnessgram is a new test for that, which is much more criterion-based and evidence-based. And it has six different measures that look at things like flexibility and stretching and core strength, but it also includes a cardiovascular fitness and a body mass index measurement. And I think that those are really essential measurements that that can be obtained in the school and then sent home for for parents and patients to, to understand to get that health check. We're also exploring ways where we can get that information linked back to the primary care provider and really encourage, again, at that individual level, for parents to, one, be have their awareness raised so they can then think about taking some actions and then we can see some impact. At the school level, it's been super helpful to use that data to say, you know, to target resources and say which communities are affected more than others and then to track that over time. And that's something we've really been able to do within Austin Independent School District with a great sister nonprofit called Children's Optimal Health, which we can take that data and actually map it with GIS mapping and look at where kids live and say, what's going on in these communities? What can we do to make a meaningful impact here? And um, more specifically, what role can the fitness trainer have in working with primary care providers and pediatricians uh, once that fitness gram data that assessment is provided to the primary care provider or the family. How, how can the fitness professional use that? That's a, that's a great question and a great opportunity as well. I think as primary care providers, we only have a limited window of, of time and maybe only see the kids a couple times a year to address general health. And so having those fitness experts as additional resources that we can refer to and make patients and parents aware of would be a great collaboration. So I think really reaching out to likely your local professional societies for the chapter of American County of Pediatrics at your local chapter, that would be a great way to get plugged into other pediatricians and, and really bridge those bonds. I think that another approach that, that we take here that might be of interest to fitness professionals is really the families that are most successful do three things. And I think this is an approach that fitness trainers can also use with families. The first is to make small changes that stick. This is a lifestyle change, not a quick diet or a fad that we can see some success and then end up worse than where we started. So one, making small changes that stick. The second is making changes as a family. Again, all these changes are healthy for everyone, so there's no reason for everyone not to be moving a bit more and eating a bit better, regardless of what your weight is. And again, if the family's making change, then our patient is going to be so much more successful. And then the third one is to keep it positive. And the reason for that is, again, thinking about our words and how we can do damage without realizing. 
folks who are challenged by their weight are much more likely to experience anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, and all this guilt and blame that the society puts on them. You know, when the kiddo is challenged by their weight, probably their parent is challenged by their weight, and then you layer on top that you're a bad parent because your child's challenged by your weight. These folks are, are, are suffering, and if we layer on top of them with additional negative words, all we do is make them feel worse. We don't do anything to enhance their motivation. So, okay, three points. Let's go, let me Debbie, summarize them. So number one, small changes that stick, change as a family, and keep it positive. You were paying great attention. <laughs> I was taking notes. <laughs> Dr. Pont, recently a study came out that said that siblings' weight has more impact on their on a, a youngster's another child's weight than parents. Parents' weight we know impacts kids. Not that their weight impacts it, but that whatever that lifestyle was uh, that led to the parents' weight issues seems to uh, be cont- contagious. Um, and I wonder what you think about that. Do you think that there's some merit to the idea that siblings uh, have greater impact on their on each other than parents do on kids' weight? Absolutely, siblings have a super close bond. And, and parents play such a big role in families' lives, but siblings have a, a unique relationship. And certainly wherever we can with our programs, we like to embrace the whole family, but absolutely the siblings. Because if we can get them engaged, either as a younger sibling that's making changes and not putting up a fight about it, or an older sibling who can be a leader for the their younger sibling, we're going to see everyone be more successful there. Let me ask you a great question. This is a question I must ask you. This is not uncommon. You go into a uh, local uh, restaurant, Starbucks, or uh, whatever it may be, you know, just a regular restaurant, and you see a family um, who have obviously had their weight challenges. And you see the youngster just eating nothing but pure junk and eating and eating and eating. You're sitting next to them, Dr. Pont. What do you do? I feel sad. That's it. You feel sad. You don't say anything. I mean, we really need to be respectful and and choose the times to have those conversations. And I and I don't think it's helpful to anyone to have that conversation in the Starbucks. Good. I'm glad to hear you say that. I think that that's very very important. So many people want to quote do good, and they want to go up and say something. And I and I, I think to go back where we began, that the words that we use can really add more damage than anything else. And you do feel sad when you see that because you know that these youngsters are going to have a, a whole variety of physical and psychological uh, stresses ahead of them. Well, with people like Dr. Stephen Pont at the forefront of uh, of the childhood obesity um, prevention movement and treatment movement, I'm, I think that our kids have a, a good chance of uh, long-term health. I want to thank you very much, Dr. Pont, for being a guest on 15 Minutes to Wellness. Uh, We really appreciate the connection and hope that we will stay connected and continue to do some work together. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Mantel. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, sir. It was my pleasure, and uh, we'll be in touch with you. Thanks so much. I'd like to thank all of you listeners who've joined us today. And as always, I encourage you all to subscribe to the podcast and continue your journey to health and fitness by visiting acefit.com where you'll find everything you need to live your most fit and healthy life. 
you can explore literally thousands of healthy recipes, health and fitness videos and articles, workout plans, health programs, and creative ways you can get yourself and your family moving, and really expert insight on a wide range of topics. So join me next time on 15 Minutes to Wellness, which you can find at acefit.com slash fitcasts. I'm Dr. Michael Mantell, thanking you for being with us on 15 Minutes to Wellness. Thank you.